Welcome to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. It's time to make mental health a normal conversation with your host, Shane Kelton. Now, welcome back to the podcast today. Got a bloke who decided that his career was more important than training me. Good life in Moorbark and took off to another state to follow his career. Andrew Maloney, welcome. How are you, mate? <laughs> How are you? Good. Oh, Sorry about that, mate. I've got to apologise that I did sort of leave you hanging there and uh, quite a few others down at Good Life. Yeah, I apologise. No, all good, all good. He taught me plenty and it was good fun while it lasted. I'm sure the other clients don't mind, mate, seeing you what you're doing now. So before we get into it, I just want to reel off just to to tell the audience and probably most people listening know this, but you were as an amateur, seven state and national titles, 2010 Commonwealth Games, 2014 Commonwealth Games gold medalist, then turned pro, you were 21 and zero, then joined top rank. And since then have fought current fighter, Josh Franco twice and uh, about to fight him a third time. So we're basically going to, delve into not too much of the boxing side of things today, but your mindset, you as a human and how you've bounced back from setbacks. And the first question I want to ask is I always sort of like to get a gauge of the person you are. And I think it's great for the audience is what was it like for you as a kid growing up? And when did you first start dreaming about being a boxer? Oh, so growing up, um, I've got a big family, um, had a what I'd say, a perfect upbringing, um, got an amazing family and we're all very close. Um, I've got a twin brother and an older brother uh, that were from my mum and dad's marriage um, and then they split up when we were quite young, three or four years old, and then they remarried and had kids with their new partners, my stepmom and stepdad. So. On my mum's side, I got two younger sisters, and then on my dad's side, I got a younger brother. So, got a pretty big family, and um, we all get along great. And sort of had two sort of separate homes that I grew up in. Um, spent sort of half half the time at each um, for most of my life growing up. Sort of pack a bag, stay at mum's for three or four days, and then pack your bag and go yeah, to dad's for four days, and just sort of keep rotating and sort of two, I don't know, sort of maybe a little bit different um, households, but but both equally as loving and supportive and, and yeah, had, had, an, had an amazing upbringing um, and having two brothers um, played a lot of sport growing up, especially a twin brother, always out in the backyard, always competing against each other and, super competitive and and I suppose that's how we fell into boxing. Um, Santa Claus decided that he'd give us a pair of boxing gloves one year uh, when we were about 10 years old, which I don't know why that they thought that was a good idea or that was a good idea. But um, we used to fight a lot, even though we were very close. We Because we were so competitive, every game of footy in the backyard ended up in a bit of a punch on. So... <laughs> Maybe, maybe thought putting a bit of padding over our fist might might be a good idea. Um, and then growing up, football, AFL football was our passion. We, myself and my twin brother, um, in particular, wanted to play AFL. That was our dream. And um, when we were thirteen years old, decided that um, we'd seen a lot of the AFL teams doing some boxing during preseason, and and we thought that would be you know, a fun way for us to keep fit and to get an edge over our competition. So we went down with a few mates to the local boxing gym and um, just sort of started just for fitness and just for fun and and just started training a couple of days a week and um, just sort of fell in love with the sport. And it wasn't until 16 years old that a lot of the guys in, there was, you know, older blokes in the gym that, that all say to us, oh, you guys should, you guys should fight. You, you know, you should dominate. You'd be really good. So, in pre-season one year at sixteen, we decided we'd start some competitions, and um, I lost my first seven fights in a row. And um, so it turns out those blokes were lying to us that so we we weren't we weren't going to dominate. <laughs> um, 
got off to a really bad start and I, being a competitive person, just hate losing. So that that's what made me even more driven to succeed and, and I decided at um, about 17 years old then that I'd rather than quit boxing, I'd, I'd quit playing footy and, and focus 100% on boxing and start training every day of the week and that would make sure that I could win and and I did that and I started to win and and then went on to to win for quite a few years in a row in Australia without losing a fight and, and things still really started to change. It's amazing like you say you lost your first seven fights in a row I mean most people wouldn't get to lose seven fights in a row because they would have given up after one or two or three like I think most people would give up after one to be honest but like what, what what drove you to keep going? Yeah, see, it's I, it's, I don't know, apart from I remember thinking I, this is, like, embarrassing and I hate losing <laughs> and I want to I want to win. And my, Jason, my twin brother, was also fighting at the same time and he didn't quite get off to as bad a start. I think he lost his first three or four and then he started to win. And... I remember seeing him win the Australian titles one that year pretty early on and just how much of a buzz that was for him to become Australian champion and, you know, to be winning these fights and that just made me want it even more. And I thought if I start training every day and, and put everything into this, then surely I can start winning and that was the case. Awesome because it's, yeah, yeah, the way you're describing it is probably not how other people would like keep doing things. People usually get a taste of that winning, <clears throat> and what more? You you were the opposite. You were you you saw it and you thought you really wanted it. So it's it's quite mm. unique in that sense. Um, and I guess hopefully people listening understand that you know you'll lose more times than you win in life generally, and it's a matter of just keeping going, uh, especially in the current time in the, the world which we won't go into too much because there's enough talk about that. But um, you, you spoke about what age uh, was this all around? Was this around sort of late teenage, teenage years? Yeah, so had our first fight at 16 and then stopped playing football and really started to focus on boxing at about 17 years old. What was that like? Because in, in terms of that's the age where most people start to go out and party. Um, and there's that, you know, at that age is the fear of missing out. There's, there's all of that kind of stuff. How did you not, not only did you lose your first seven fights, but you start to enter that age bracket where people are telling you to go out and drink and, you know, do all this stuff. How was that to, to actually get through and, and what did you put in place to make sure that you had your own boundaries? Yeah. Um, I think that's probably, one of the reasons why I started to sort of fall out of love with football, um, not that I was a, a perfect kid and, and wasn't going out and, and drinking at all at that age, but I felt like a lot of the time would show up on game day and half the team had been out on the piece the night before and were, were hung over and, and not really interested in winning. And we'd, we'd lose the game and I felt like the team had let me down sometimes because I took it more serious than that. And I think that's why I fell in love with boxing, being an individual sport that it was all on me. And I knew that if I made the sacrifices and I gave it 100%, then even if I didn't win, at least I, you know, could walk away knowing that I gave it my all rather than having people that I felt let me down sometimes. There's some powerful messages in there. I just feel like it's just quote after quote that I um, quote you on there and you know, put out to the teenagers and stuff going through um, anything really in life. You, you spoke about your amateur career. Now I wanted to point out <clears throat> not only did you lose seven fights in a row, you, you did then do some amazing things at state and national level, but <clears throat> Going through my research, I went and had a look in, in 2019 World Amateur Boxing Championship, 2011 and 2012, you lost in the first round, first round and second round. And in the 2010 Commonwealth Games, you 
you lost in your quarterfinal, which was your second fight. Again, we've come back to that. You're not winning on this world stage yet, but you still had this dream to just keep going when most would recluse and just happily go back to Australia and keep winning state and national titles. Why did you keep going? Um, it's, it's very tough for us Australians to compete in um, amateur boxing on that world level. Um, and I think a, a big part of that, apart from my lack of experience at that time, I'd only had, you know, maybe 20 fights at that stage. And some of these guys that I was fighting overseas had had over 100 fights, some over 200 fights. And, you know, they were grown men, you know, 30-year-olds like I am today. And I was, you know, just turned 18 or 19. And very tough to compete against those guys. And then on top of that, the coach we had at the time, without sort of bad-mouthing too much, was a German bloke who basically told us that us Aussies couldn't compete with these guys overseas. Yeah. And that was in my head from from really early making the Australian team at a young age. And, you know, you go over these tournaments and you almost, you give it your all, but in the back of your mind, you don't really believe in yourself. And and that's just, that is so important as a fighter and as any athlete any or anyone in general to believe in yourself. And it wasn't until I got, you know, a bit older, a bit more experienced and started to travel and to train with other coaches and things that I thought, you know, what he's, he's wrong. These guys, yes, they're from another country and they might be, you know, a little bit more experienced, but this has still only got two arms and two legs and they're human at the end of the day and they can be beat. And it really wasn't until the 2014 Commonwealth Games that I really believed that and started to believe in myself. And, and that's when I won the gold medal and I really broke out and and um, that was my first gold at a proper international tournament. And, you know, it was a huge event and a huge stage to do it on. But all that was is just coming from self-belief. And again, amazing there. Like you had the self-belief when so many people, you know, I'm looking at this on paper and I'm, I'm going, I don't think I could keep coming back to that, especially in a sport like boxing where, you're actually getting punched in the head. <laughs> like there's that added part to it. And then I obviously did a bit of boxing training with you and have done some since. And there's talk of me getting in the ring and I'm like, I have no problem throwing a punch, but I don't know how I'm going to go actually receiving a punch. So there's that added weight to it as well. And I guess for any young kids that might want to do boxing and um, their parents or whatever, how, how did you go through that mindset of actually getting hit and, continually get back and get hit? It's a hard one to explain because boxing probably, well, the way I view boxing is probably very different to the way the general public and and parents view boxing. Um, I don't really know how to explain it, but to me it's, it's a discipline. And when I'm in the ring and I'm fighting, there's, there's no anger really in me to try and hurt that person or I don't hate that person or I'm not even really thinking, oh, I'm going to get hit here. It's, it's just a, it's an art form and it's a discipline that you're just doing what you're trying to do and there's, there's not really any emotion in it. It's, it, it's like a, a physical game of chess. How can I make this person miss and how can I land my own shot? Um, and it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a hard to explain, but it's that it's not, I don't see it as I'm going out there to fight this guy or it's very far away from what you probably think is like a, a fight in the street or a fight in the pub. It's, it's very much a discipline. There's, there's no angle or you, you don't lose your cool. That's the last thing you want to do in a fight It's just, you have to remain disciplined at all times. And I think that's why it is so good for kids is because of that discipline. And, you know, there, there might be some 
you know, fighters out there that maybe give boxing a, a bad rap, but for 90, I'd say no, at least 90, 95% of them, you'll never see any anyone or any professional boxer get in a street fight or anything like that because of the discipline we learn through years and years of, of training. And it's very easy for us to shut off that emotion rather than be thugs and go out and get in fights just because we know how to fight. It's, it's the, all, it is the complete opposite. I love that as well. And I hope for any parents listening, like boxing seriously is, it is that, that discipline and that skill. Like you have to be mentally switched on to to actually do what you do. It is so skillful. I mean, most people can't walk in a straight line, let alone move their feet and hands at the same time. So um, it's, and then, you know, if, if you are, you know, doing a bit of sparring, then you've got something else coming at you as well, which can actually force you to move a bit quicker anyway. So sometimes that works. Um, I want to talk about um, you, you did move in 2016-ish, 2017. So, yeah, geez, time goes so fast. So it's would have been 2000 and I think 2017. Yeah. What, what I mean, the move, the move no. was for your career, but yeah. how hard was it that to move for your career? And, and I want to bring Chelsea into this conversation as well. Like how hard was it for you guys to up and move from away from your families for your career? Did you feel that it, it was like a, a sense of purpose for you or, you know, what was it, how hard was it and how did you guys get through it together? Um, I would say the move was the hardest part of it was leaving my my coach that I was with in Melbourne, not the physical move of moving state. And even, I'll probably say even away from family, even though that probably sounds a bit rough to them, <laughs> um, but leaving my coach was a really, really hard thing to do. We've been with him for um, oh, numbers are a bit blank, maybe about eight years at that stage. And you, you're with that person, you know, all day, every day, basically. Um, and I, apart from, you know, the hurt on him um, and also me, but also I copped so much criticism for that. Me and my brother copped a lot of hate for that online and around the boxing public because the boxing sort of circles are pretty sort of small circle within Australia and people talk and um, we were sort of, you know, called unloyal and every every name under the sun and um, it was a really hard thing to do because we'd spent so much time together and um, but I felt like I'd given my life to becoming world champion and to succeed in this sport and I felt like that's what I had to do at that stage to get to that level to achieve my dreams and um, it's what I felt needed to be done and it was a tough thing to do but we made that decision and and moving state was, you know, probably a, um, not that hard because the other option was to move overseas and, and that would have been a lot tougher. Um, there's not many high-level coaches in Australia, and if we couldn't find one here, then we would have had to move overseas, and we were very aware of that at that point. So we went on a search for a new trainer after parting ways with um, with our previous coach and um, came up to to Kingscliff and, and sort of did a trial with the with the, our coach up here and our coach Angelo Hyder. And um, luckily for us, um, within, a, I think, the first day of training, we basically, we, we, we planned to come up for, uh, I think it was a week trial, and the girls stayed at home, Chelsea and my brother's partner, Georgia. And I think it was after the first day of training, we called him and said, yeah, um, start packing the house up. <laughs> we're um, we're going to move. and. And um, so for us, I mean, that was a bit of a relief that we weren't that far away from family. Um, you know, it was just interstate rather than overseas. And um, and throughout my career, I've, I've spent 
or probably, you know, most part of three years as an amateur living at the Institute of Sport in Canberra, away from my family. That's where I met Chelsea. Um, she was from Canberra. So I'd already made her move to, to Melbourne from Canberra already at, at only 17 years of age. She made that move so that I could be in Melbourne where where I, my trainer was and, and focus on boxing. And then after three or four years of being there, then said, sorry, Charles, we're now going to move to Kingscliff. <laughs> so I'm very lucky that I have the most supportive partner and she's moved states twice now with, you know, at the drop of the hat and, and not, made no fuss about it and been away from her family for a long time um, so that I can chase my goals. It sounds like your family... Uh when moving away can be very tough, but it sounds like you just had support from, from everyone to do that apart from the, the boxing fraternity at, at an early part. Now you, t- you touched on sort of social media and trolling and I have no doubt you, despite your, oh, I guess your humbleness and, you know, the way all your friends and family see you as a human, you know, you, as you were talking about earlier, you don't really get angry. You just, you are you and it's a skill set and you, you're not a thug or anything like that. You, you are very much loved and I don't want to give you a big head or anything, but you still you still do get the social media and the trolling and I think it's more probably from overseas. But how, how, do, you, how do you go with that? Um, I guess knowing that you are a really good person. Um, I think I'm... I'm getting more used to it now and it doesn't affect me so much these days. Um, After my first loss of my professional career, um, losing to Joshua Franco back in June last year, I got so many inboxes from his fans and comments on every post that I put up telling me how how shit I am and that he's going to bash me again in the rematch and and just – just comment after comment and inbox after inbox, just trying to drag me down. And and I'll be honest, like I'm not invincible, I'm not super Superman. Like after taking a loss like that, um, I was already you know really low on myself. So of course that affected me, and and you know it's hard to hard to take. Um, now that I've come back, we had a rematch even though the fight was called a no contest, I think I proved to myself and to others that I can more than compete with him. Um, I was dominating that second fight before the rubbish no contest decision. Um, and even though I'm still getting those those uh, those messages to this day, um, I, they don't affect me as much anymore because I know within myself that they're wrong and I can compete with him. And I honestly believe that I'm going to beat him this time around. So they're not affecting me like they were. Uh, It's come back to that belief. You know, you spoke earlier about um, through that amateur part of your career where you you went on the world stage, you didn't have that belief and it was probably because of coaches and, and all of that. But it sounds like, again, what people are saying to you doesn't matter because you know what's true to you. Yeah, in a way, but also probably I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. I'm probably, as an athlete, I'd say one of my weaknesses is I probably don't believe myself enough, and that's actually up until this point now. Probably the last six months I've turned that around. I've been working with a a, a mind coach um, for the last... 12 months or so, and I'll touch on that a bit more um, in a second. But before that, I still think that those early, you know, losses in my amateur career, those seven losses and that first coach that sort of told us we weren't good enough, they were still affecting me all the way up until the 2014 Commonwealth Games. Um, The 2010 Commonwealth Games, when I made the team, my goal was just to win a medal. Um, and didn't probably even believe I could get gold and just really wanted a a bronze medal. I would have been over the moon and came home empty-handed from from that competition with no medal and 
you know, thought that was the end of, you know, the end of my world. Like I was just absolutely devastated for, for months and months. Um, and then again, like going to, going to the 2014 Commonwealth Games, I probably didn't believe in myself anywhere near as much as what I should and, and probably needed to. And again, I just wanted a medal. I, I was telling myself that I was going there to win gold, but in the back of my mind and, and truly, I would have been happy with bronze. And it wasn't until I won my first fight, won my second fight and had secured the bronze. And I went, oh, hold on a minute. I looked at who was left in the tournament. And I thought I could win this. Um, and it just sort of took one fight at a time and I won again. And then going into the final, I thought I can beat this guy. And I've come this far, like, I just was on a roll at that stage and just and still went into the final just really wanting to win but not a, not the most confident fighter in the world and lucky enough that I, I trained that hard and and was good enough on the day to win gold and that really set me up for my professional career because I then really started to believe in myself um, and then obviously won my first 21 professional fights like we, we touched on. And then I suppose when I had took that loss, that's when um, a lot of doubts started to creep back in and, you know, I was then going to have a rematch with the same bloke again and I had five months to, to get myself back on track and to mentally start to believe in myself and started working with a guy named Richard Maloney, no, no relation to myself, <laughs> um, from Quality Mind Global is his company and he's... Um, been my mind coach and mentored me for the last 12 months or so um leading up to the second franco fight he really helped me to start believing in myself and to start working on my my mind and my my mental strength just like any other muscle in the body the the, the mind needs to be worked on daily and, and trained and that's what i've been doing for the last 12 months is i've got an app in my phone where i keep myself on, on track and, and, you know, put myself in a positive state. And I'll do that daily now. And over the last 12 months, um, I've really started to believe in myself and, and I mean, mentally the, the best state I've ever been in and, and coming into this third fight with Franco, I, I honestly believe that I'm going to win this fight and that I'm better than he is. You, 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 you jumped the gun a little bit with Quality Mind Global. I did have Richard down to talk about and, like, it, it all worked in, works in so well. It sounds like you, you, you've done everything you can physically to get yourself in the best possible shape to, to fight these fighters, but there was still something, you know, that extra 5% or 2% or whatever it might be, and it, it is the mind, and I'm well aware of it. And, um I guess I want to know, without giving Richard's secrets away, you know, what is, and your secrets away, what is some of the stuff you do work on and what what are some of the things you do do daily? Like is it is it meditating? Is it um, mind sort of games or is it, you know, what is it for you? Um, I think that there's, there's lots of things involved in his program, but I think the biggest thing that I, that I get from it personally is just – everything affects your energy and when you're thinking positive you're full of energy and everything starts to snowball and gain traction i believe when you're thinking negative thoughts and doubting yourself you you feel tired and everything becomes hard and and your energy gets sucked out of you and on we're using this app constantly um basically just shifting myself into positive thoughts and, and reaffirming, you know, positive things that come into my training and my day and, and just keeping myself um, in that positive state. And that really helps with me, with my energy, with um, believing in myself. And then everything just sort of snowballs from there. Um, and then on top of that, doing things like meditation and, um, and, you know, cleaning out after, if I have a bad sparring session in the past, I'd, I'd stew on that and I'd really beat myself down about it and, and let it affect me. Whereas now I'll, I'll 
work out you know what I did wrong and then pick some positive from from that as well and and turn it around and, and you know and once that's done and I've I've gone over the positive negatives I'll I'll shut it out and, and I'll move on and I won't let it drag me down for three or four days and then the next firing session comes around and you spar about again because you're in a negative state and it's just a snowball effect and and going into that first Franco fight, I had a pretty average training camp. I, I don't know why, but I wasn't boxing very well at the time and probably had a little bit of doubts in my mind about coming over here to America and really testing myself. And 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 that came out in that first fight when things started to get rough and early in the fight I had uh, my ear perforated and then the other one and then a big cut inside my mouth and one over my eye and when things started to go bad those negative thoughts creep in and affected the way I performed in that fight um so it just goes to show just how important your you know mental your mindset is in 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 any competition or in, in life in general but especially as a fighter when you're going in the ring against another guy, you you need to believe in yourself 100%. And, and through working on that every day for the last 12 months, um, consciously I've, I've really developed that and, and, yeah, in a great spot now going into this third fight. What, as you are an athlete second, you are a human first. So I want to get from you, how has this mindset training helped you outside of the ring? Uh, with family, with friends, with with everyday life. Yeah, yeah, um, big time. I think, you know, sport and preparing for a fight and and the highs and lows of of a you know professional sporting career uh, are very similar to to the you know other struggles that people have in in life, in business, in 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 any area really. Um, and yeah, what the work that we do with my mind mainly focused around sport, there's no doubt that that also rubs off on on everyday life and just the way that I am around my wife and and my son. Um, and there's no doubt you know the things that we do in in the program would benefit anyone in in any in any you know any normal human being doing anything for a job or anything for a living or just their normal mindset getting through life day by day. Um, and I think, yeah, the things I've learned that I use to, you know, put me in that positive sp- space and mentally in a good frame of mind for training and competing, they're also the same tools you, I use in life in general. And, you know, I wake up every every day and I'm grateful that I get to do something first that I love for a living, but also that, when I am at home, I get to spend a lot of time with my son, which is extremely important to me, and a lot of time with my wife as well. And we live in a great area on the beach and have a great a great lifestyle. And yeah, I'm I'm blessed, you know, for the the life that I live. Um, and you know, things aren't always easy. We haven't got everything that we want, and you know, there, we do have tough times. But I remind myself every day of how lucky we are to have the life that we live. You, you, you brought up Chelsea and Lee, and um, I think it's uh, amazing to see. Like, I guess having been having a son now, who's yeah, like a couple of months old. Like, it can be quite difficult in those early couple of years of life when there's lack of sleep. Um, you know, baby crying for no reason for what we perceive as no reason. They've obviously got a reason in their own little minds, um, but. That you know, how did that? Because there's a positive and negative, and it's it's which way you want to take it. Do you embrace just this child, or do you get frustrated that you're losing sleep? And as an athlete, yeah, losing that sleep, you know, can be quite hard on your training. So, how did you, Chelsea, work through that process so you could still get to this point in your career? Um, I suppose. I hadn't really thought about this, but if I'm if I'm honest, without like being one hundred percent honest, Chelsea's the best mum. Like it's actually ridiculous. She's she's wanted to be a mum her whole life, and just has the most motherly in, instincts, and is 
nothing stresses her out or is is too hard for her. Or I've never seen her. She never has once sort of snapped or got frustrated when Lee's crying or anything. And I suppose I I had no idea what it took to be a parent. I've just sort of I've just sort of basically been guided by her, and she is amazing at, at at being a parent and has taught me, I suppose, what to do along the way. And I've just been winging it. But um, the I think the other thing, just off the top of my head, I suppose having to spend so much time away from Lee when he was young. So I think he was, he would have been about eight months old when I first went away and I went away for, oh, sorry, he would have been about nine months old because I, I got home and I, I just missed his first birthday by one day. I was still in hotel quarantine. So spent three months away from him at an early age for him so now I suppose I'm so grateful for the time that I do have with him. So when I'm home and things are tough and he's crying and we're not getting, I'm not getting sleep or anything like that, um, it doesn't bother me. I, I, I honestly like cherish every second that I have with him because the amount of time that I've had to spend away from him. Um, he's two, just over two years old now and, by the time I get home from this trip, it's eight months I've missed with him. So it's a, a big chunk of his, of his life and that's really tough for me. Oh, I hate that. Um, so every second I've got with him is is a blessing and I take every second, you know, yeah, as for, you know, for granted and, and um, just love every second I have with him. I love that as well. I like, so I love that because, you know, I've, I've found the same thing, you know, we had um, Ryder 10 weeks prem, so he was in hospital for 51 days. And now when he cries, when I feel the frustration and I feel Alicia's getting really upset, I just say, let's be grateful we have a baby crying in our room. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's looking at the – and, like, every everyone's situation is different, but it's, it's as you said, it's, you know, being thankful and grateful, like, your baby's crying. Like, it's, it's actually a really good thing. Um, it, it can feel very tiring and it, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is your mindset around that is really positive, which makes it a really good environment for, for Lee, but also Charles. Like there's no doubt, you know, you probably both have your moments where you're away and she might struggle a little bit and then you, you struggle a little bit as well. And um, having that positive mindset and, and being grateful is such a important tool um, to, to really get you guys through those tough times yeah um and yeah i've seen her instagram she she's definitely looks like a very very good mother um it's basically lee's lee's instagram account now um so (laughs) at at some stage he'll start taking it over um but it is it is great to see i'll also share um quality mind global um details in the show notes for if anyone is interested in getting in contact with Richard and the team down there. Um, I, when I saw you were doing that work a, a few months ago, I was, I was really happy to see that because I, I know and I've seen it and I think it's becoming more commonly spoken about in all sports how important that edge is and a lot of the best athletes in all of the, these top sports in Australia are doing these extra things and you can see the performances that they're putting out there that reflect the improvement. So if it, and as, as you said, um, it, it transitioned into, into real life as well. And I guess what I wanted to put out to the public is because people will just see that, you know, this fighter that trains six days a week, seven days a week and just lives this fit life. But you, when you were going through your amateur career and, the start of your professional career, you're still working sort of 40 hours a week as a PT. And so you've been there, you were doing the hard yards, you were, you were earning every dollar to put back into your fighting. So you're not, you're not just saying all this stuff from, you know, a fancy hotel in Vegas preparing for a fight. You've been, you've been fighting to get every dollar and to put yourself in this position. So I want listeners to know that, but also for me to say like, well done on that because most people would have probably given up along the way because it would have been difficult to put that time in. Yeah, thank you, man. The 
and you've probably gone through a little bit of this, but, you know, after that first fight, there was quite a few, I guess, severe injuries with that. Like perforated eardrum is not something that you would put in the classes. It's just a normal, typical injury. It's going to affect your balance. It's going to affect a lot of things like that. Like, how did you get yourself back to from that? Um, I suppose I was, I was, yeah, in a. I had yeah quite a few injuries after the fight, but. The in, the physical injuries were nowhere near as bad as the how I was feeling on the inside. I, I really was was so devastated and, and felt like I'd let so many people down. Um, that was the hardest part for me. And coming home and sitting in a hotel room for two weeks, just constantly thinking that I'm a loser and I've come over here and. You know, at that stage, sitting there, you look in the mirror and my face is black and blue and I've got cuts everywhere. And it's, it was pretty pretty tough to take um, mentally and emotionally more than physically. Um, so the only thing I know how to do is to get back to the gym. We set up a rematch and I thought, I'm going to give this absolutely everything I've got for the next five months and I just trained every single day knowing that this fight was coming up and that I needed to improve and that I needed to win and, and redeem myself. And then started working with Richard and, and working on my mental, mental side of things. But just training every single day so hard knowing that this fight was coming up and I thought the only option I have is to give this absolutely everything I've got, have another crack at him and look back and win, lose or draw, be able to look back and know that I gave it 100%. And as I started training, working on my mental side of things and, and watching that first fight back and just knowing that I could have done so much better, I then started to really gain momentum and, and got back over here to America before that second fight and really started to believe in myself that I was going to do it. And that night just felt like I was on fire. I was, it only went two rounds, but I just felt like I was in total control and just dominating the fight and everything that I'd worked on was paying off. And unfortunately, the outcome for people who haven't seen it, I shut his eye with a jab um, and the referee called it a head clash for some reason, even though there was no head clash, so they called it a no contest and he keeps the world title and I go home empty-handed again. Um, so again, coming back home empty-handed and this time a slightly different feeling, feeling like I hadn't got what I wanted but knew that I deserved it and was just basically really upset and angry that they'd taken that moment away from me. Um, but again, use that motivate that sort of result as motivation to get back to the gym and, and knew that we we're going to fight again, um, which is coming up in a, in a week's time, but it's been nine months since that second fight till now. And again, just use that every single day as motivation to train extremely hard and to make sure that I come home this time with that world title. And boxing really is a roller coaster, a roller coaster ride of emotions. Like I suppose any sport is, but I would say probably more so a individual sport is because it, it's so much just on you and how you perform on the night and there's so many highs and great moments, but so many lows as well. And in the last 12 months, much, many more lows than highs, that's for sure. And um, the way that I've dealt with that is to go to the gym every single morning and to train really hard. And that puts me in a great mood for the rest of the day. Um, I believe training and having a goal is what keeps me mentally in a good place. In in when I'm in training camp, when I'm training hard and I'm 
eating healthy and I'm getting, getting, you know, the sleep that I need and resting and, and just having a goal in mind that I'm working towards. That's when I feel I'm at my best. Um, when I don't have a fight coming up or I'm, I have, I'm having a week off from training, even if it's only a week um, and I'm eating crap food or you're having a few beers with your mates, that's when I feel like shit. And I feel like that's as an athlete, but that's how it is for everyone in, in life. In I just believe that exercise and having a goal is just so important for everyone and their, and their, their mind, you know, their, their, their mental aspect, their, their mind frame. Um, and so when I've had, even though I've come off some, some really bad results and been very low, I've still had this goal in the back of my mind and, and still been training every day and, and eating well. And, and that's what's kept me in a positive space and just working towards finally getting this world title back. And I feel like I've done everything possible now and I'm coming into this fight in such a great space and feeling fitter than ever, more determined than ever and more confident than ever before that I'm going to get the job done. And, and all this is going to be worthwhile. I'm going to come home with my world title and, and everything that I've been through for the last 12 months is going to be worthwhile. And the feeling of coming home with that belt and coming home to Chelsea and, and Lee is just going to be amazing. And, and that's what I'm chasing at the moment. I'm excited. I'm excited for you to hand that belt to Lee and it'll be, he'll try and you know, carry it around and probably fall over his own feet with it. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm picturing that moment probably as you have as well with your positive thinking and it's um you know it's pretty inspirational to be honest because the last 12 months haven't gone your way and there has been setbacks and um you know to keep going and keep going especially in the the times we're living it it is quite difficult you're not just going away for training camps you're you're quarantining um when you come home as well as you as you mentioned after a loss you know two weeks in a hotel room and i guess kudos to you for doing that and and for for sticking at it. And um, I forgot my next question. So I'm going to move on to what I've got down here. What, what advice have you got for not just aspiring people, not just athletes, but people, anyone with a dream, anyone with aspirations, because your dream is boxing. Someone else might be CEO of a bank, whatever it is, every dream. Some might be want to be an artist, but in, in a nutshell, it all comes down to, some very similar things. Um, so what's your advice? Um, probably the one thing that I always have in the back of my mind is that when I'm retired from boxing in, you know, 15 years or 20 years or whatever it is, when I'm, I want to look back on my career and have no regrets and, and know that I gave it 100%. And then whatever I achieved or or didn't achieve, I can look back on and be satisfied that I know that I gave it 100%. And, and that's all anyone can ask of themselves at the end of the day. So that's my biggest thing is every day I think of it as a chance to improve as a fighter and each day is just another another step on the journey to achieving these huge dreams that I have set out for myself and these huge goals that I have. And, and I just make sure that I give it everything I have each day. And then that way I can look back and, and have no regrets. And, and I think that's with, like you mentioned with anything in life, no matter what someone's goal is, is, you know, you set yourself a, 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 a really high goal that you have to work hard for and you give it 100% and hopefully you get there. But if not, know that you gave it 100% and you can look back and, and be satisfied with, with what you have achieved. And in saying that, the journey's quite fun as well when you've got that goal and you're working towards it. Now, I know like being an athlete is, is extremely challenging. You know, you do have to get up early. I mean, there's these routines you get yourself into, which helps. But outside of your training, you know, you, you guys, uh, I've seen the videos where you, you play table tennis, which is kind of training as well. But you guys have heaps of fun with that. And, you know, how important is it for, 
for you as well. And I think this is for everyone because so many people work 12, 14 hours a day, seven days a week, and they, they lose this complete fun aspect of life. And then try try not to talk about it, but then you get thrown into a lockdown where you don't work and you don't have that fun and you, you're craving something you never had in the first place. Like how important is it for you to be able to break away from being an athlete and, and have the fun and the rest of it? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's massively important. And, and even like what, I, you know, I'm still saying give it 100%. I don't let things distract me, but you also have to enjoy the journey along the way. Otherwise, what's the point? If, you, if you're not enjoying life and you're not enjoying what you're doing, then, I see there's there's no point in doing it in the first place. So we yeah, we like here over in Vegas at the moment, we've got eight of us in the house for training camp and in between training, um, we're playing, you know, we'll have a dip in the pool, we've got a billiard table, we're very competitive on there. <laughs> um, just doing anything to sort of keep your mind off things and, and just enjoying the the journey. Um, and as you mentioned, table tennis, we've got that set up in the gym. That's our warm-up every single day. We we have a good game of table tennis and that gets very competitive, especially between me and my twin brother. And apart from being a great warm up, it, it just sets you in a good mood for training, um, especially when you have a win. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then, you know, you're going into training focused and in a good mood and just enjoying yourself. And, and yeah, when they say in boxing, a happy fighter is a dangerous fighter. And I think that's for any athlete, like, you have to enjoy the process and enjoy the journey. Um, and and like what you mentioned, like in, in business life as well, like I see some people who are very successful but spend their whole life working and never seem to enjoy the moments or spend time with their family and things like that. And although money is extremely important, I think I feel like sometimes you need to step back and realise that, you only have one life and you know you have to enjoy it and you have to spend time with your loved ones and enjoy the process yeah that always comes to mind when people talk about the work side of life and there's an article in the study done with the five biggest regrets of a dying man and the number one is work too much it's just okay. it's so common um so it's so important that as 20 and 30 year olds now we we lose that emphasis on work first the rest second. Um, our family wants us around as much as possible, and um, you know, I know you you are there when you're not away. You are there. It's it's quite easy to see. That that's kind of all I want to touch on with you. I want to talk briefly about: Have you been watching the Olympics? Have you been watching Harry Garside, who's obviously another Eastern Suburbs kid on the rise? Um, and do you, do you see anything else coming through in the next generation, you know, of, of boxing? Yeah, so firstly, I um, haven't been able to watch the, the, the Olympics much live. Um, the time frame over here has made it, you know, the time difference has made it really hard. Harry's fights have all been sort of the middle of the night here and obviously can't stay up at the moment while we're in training camp. But I've been waking up each morning and watching the replay and um, what an amazing result that's been. Um, people probably see so far he's got a bronze medal, um, which I suppose because Australia is so, you know, um, so so dominating in other sports like swimming where everyone wins gold and things like that, they probably don't realise just how massive that is that Harry's secured a medal. Um, even if he comes home with a bronze medal, that's the first medal we've had in over 30 years in boxing and even in history i think we've only had two medals ever at the olympic games and people probably don't realize just how huge of an achievement that is and um if he ever sees this when i say well done harry it's <laughs> like it's honestly it's going to change amateur boxing in australia for the better uh, going forward hopefully the sport will now receive more funding and and the most of all the the boxers like I touched on earlier, um, we always see these guys overseas and Olympic Games medals, and it seems like it's impossible. Um, but now Harry's proved that it is possible for an Australian to win a medal at an Olympic Games, and and that is just going to help inspire the, the next generation so much, and and you know raise their confidence and, and give them the belief you need to to do that. 
Um, hopefully he can continue on and, and turn that into a, you know, a silver or a gold, but, but either way, a, a medal at Olympic Games is a massive achievement and he's done a great thing for Australian boxing. Yeah, and I will, I will speak from living in Victoria. It's, it's, it is quite big at the moment. Like we are seeing all these fights lie off, probably on seven plus, um, mate. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it is big and it's, it's very visible at the moment. I think it's probably the most visible boxing's been at any games outside of your Commonwealth Games final probably. The semifinal is probably not much there, but um, it's been huge for the sport of boxing. And, yeah, hopefully, you know, you and your brother have probably been a catalyst for a generation and I'm sure Harry um, probably looks up to you guys. Um, I'm speaking at probably a bit out of turn there, but I'm sure he does because, um, I, you know, I know a lot of the Australian boxing fraternity is pretty close, um, you know. It's funny, actually, we um, we started training, different trainers, but at the same gym as Harry in Lillardale. So that gym's uh, done a lot for itself over the last few years. Um, and, yeah, must be something in the water in Lillardale. <laughs> they grow they're free fighters. So, yeah, it's an awesome result. Well, I did say, even saying that, um, he gave a shout out to Lourdes on the on one of the broadcasts. And um, there's a on Yarra Valley notice board. There was people fighting about whether he was from Lourdes or Moorbach. And I was just like, guys, we don't even fight about this. <laughs> like, really, really. Um, but oh, I, I, that's all from my notes. Oh, is there anything else you want to add to anyone that might be listening that might be going through a hard time or? Um, yeah, it's got dreams or anything like that. Oh, I suppose just like I slightly touched on, just I, I do believe that the way that I prepare for a fight and and the things that I have to do in preparation really would you know help anyone in in everyday life staying in a positive space and and looking after their mental health is just. Don't don't you know? Just realize how positive and how important exercise is. Um, I believe, especially first thing in the morning, starting your day with a good good training session, um, just sets the tone for the rest of the day and puts you in a positive space. And the endorphins you get from exercise um, just does wonders for for your mental health. So even if you are stuck at home, try and get some exercise done first thing in the morning. Um, and like I do with my with my app, we're working on Mind Coach. You know, write down some positive things and some things you're grateful for, and you know, remind yourself of the positive things that you've got in your life. And even if you are stuck in your house, um, and you you know you might be struggling financially because you can't work and things like that, just try and keep yourself in a positive frame of mind and, and write down the things you are grateful for. Um, exercise try and get to you know try and eat healthy that's also extremely important um stay off the alcohol as much as you can and get as much sleep as you can as well all those things are so important for me when i'm training but i also think they're important for everyone in everyday life and and especially in you know keeping yourself in a positive frame of mind and and staying you know staying focused and and in a good headspace Great advice, mate. I uh, appreciate you taking the time out. You are nine days away from uh, your third fight with Josh Franco. It will be Australian Eastern Standard Time Sunday in the afternoon, I believe. Yeah, It'll be yeah. Sunday afternoon, Melbourne time. So if anyone um, on the 15th here, 14th over in America, so if yep. anyone wants to... Um, get the package we may still be in lockdown but get the package at home and and watch you as as your singlet says chasing greatness um i I hope i hope for yourself that you can get this done and for your family and um i really appreciate you taking out the time um so close to a fight to to chat to me and to give advice to many people out there no my pleasure mate it's been good to chat it's been a while since we've had a chat so it's been good to catch up and yeah, I'd appreciate if everyone can tune in. Uh, you can watch the fight on main event if you have Foxtel. Otherwise, it's on KO Sports, which I can believe you can watch on your phone. So appreciate everyone's support. Hopefully I can bring home this world title for Australia and and um, and do everyone proud. 
Thanks for listening to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. If anything in this podcast has brought up difficult feelings, please call Lifeline on 13 1144. For any further information, or if you want to bring your story to life, contact Shane at shane at vitalityfit.com.au. That's V I T A L I T Y F I T T.com.au.